Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionalsattheconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, every Thursday, we drop a member show to members only on the website and the Castos app. Plus, you get the Tuesday shows ad-free and access to all overtime segments. So if that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. If you want to have yourself emergency supply food that's stocked up in your pantry for the emergency in your life, go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. A lot of great deals there. If you buy a three-month supply of food, we'll knock off $150 for you. If you buy a four-week supply of food, we'll knock off $50 for you. There's savings in buying in bulk. So go ahead and check it out. Prepare with theconfessionals.com. Also, friends, we have the very first annual Dogman slash Cryptid Conference. It is being hosted by Josh Turner from Paranormal Roundtable. And the MC of the event is going to be Ken Gearhart. There's going to be a lot of great speakers there. Steve Stockton. I've been hearing a lot about Steve Stockton recently. A lot of people have been coming to me talking about Steve Stockton and how cool he is. I'm excited to meet him myself. And you should be excited, too. If you want to get tickets to this event to meet Steve Stockton, and all the other speakers and and me if you want to meet me too. Uh, you can go in the description of this very episode. Click the link and you can get your tickets right there, right away before they sell out. Go ahead and check that out. All right, friends. This week we have Donna Hartley coming on the show and she is the author of Historic Haunts of Sumner County, Tennessee. I really enjoyed this conversation. Obviously, I'm infatuated with everything in Tennessee, but her and I talk about this book and what she wrote in it, which kind of covers a lot of different topics, but it seems like in this area, there's like a triangle of action. And how many times do we hear about the triangles of action? You know, up in Alaska, down in Bermuda Triangle. Now Tennessee has its own little 
triangle of action, and I dig it. So we have a great conversation going from white flying cryptids to the crag house to her own personal house being haunted to caves. We go all over the place, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So let's get to Donna right now. Okay, today we have Donna Hartley on the show. Donna, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, uh, Donna, you have written a book called Historic Haunts of Sumner County, Tennessee. First of all, I want to ask you, as a, as a fellow Tennessean, where is Sumner County compared to like where I'm at? Because I'm in the Knoxville area. Okay. We're middle, we consider ourselves middle Tennessee, um, but we are about 25 miles north of Nashville, Um, Our county borders Kentucky. We're about 40 minutes from Bowling Green, due north. uh, Bowling Green is due north of us. So we're we're almost as close to Bowling Green as we are to Nashville. So you actually live in Sumner County then? I do. County seat. County seat, Gallatin. So uh, you were writing this book, I guess, starting out, you're writing this book because you were interested in hearing and, and, and documenting these stories of the county you live in, right? Right. Uh, I've been doing the Gallatin Ghost Walk for 17 years. This will be, wow, this will, yeah, this will be our 18th year. It's a history mystery tour um, talking about the paranormal in Sumner County, but mostly, well, it's all centered around the history here. The history here is, wow, it's a microcosm of the American experience, the westward expansion, the post-revolutionary America, and um so our history here is fascinating, multifaceted, very diverse, and uh, the uh, paranormal happenings can all be tied to historical events and just the general history of the area. So we'll, we'll get to the book in a second, but I'm interested to hear uh, how you got into doing those those tours and stuff. Is that just something that like spawned from a personal interest of yours? And you decide- yes, yeah, so my background is journalism. I also have a law degree. Um, I don't practice, but my husband has been an attorney for 38 years and uh, I assist him. But mostly I'm a writer. Mostly I'm a journalist. And um, I'm also interested in history. My husband's a Civil War reenactor and I do reenacting, uh, civilian reenacting. And um, we're just we're so rich in in Civil War history here, not because of the battles, uh, but we can get into that. Um, I just decided, well, there's I started hearing so many ghost stories and tales of the supernatural here. And I thought, well, let me work that into the history so that, well, history can be told through the ghost stories. I have a lot of high school students, a lot of high school classes that specifically book my tour to teach their students about the history of the area. That's really cool. So uh, you're pretty well taught and learned on the history of the area. Uh, a lot of the stuff coming from the Civil War. And uh, this book uh, kind of gives like a, a mixture of historic and haunts. That's why you call it the way you called it. But uh, as I guess you were doing research for this book, you actually had some uh, ex- things happening, I guess, around you as part of the process of writing for this book, right? Well, so I've been, do- been doing the tour as long as I've lived in my house. And my house is, was haunted. Um, I live in an 1883 Victorian, uh, two blocks from the Gallatin Public Square, where so much tragedy happened during the Civil War. And um, I 
I just realized, you know, I've got something going on here and had some investigations and so forth and um, lived with it for a good long while before I finally uh, (sighs) dispensed with whatever has been here because it went from innocuous to problematic, possibly demonic. And that's when it got serious. And throughout this, of course, I'm doing the Gallatin Ghost Walk. I'm hosting the History Mystery Tour. And for three years of this, I'm doing the book. And the more I got into actually sitting down and writing the book and doing research, the the worse things got um, to the point of needing, uh, let's see, let's see, I had three pastors, a priest, a shaman, Um, just in general, if you can cleanse my house, come give it a try. Um, but it did get progressively worse once I started actively writing the book. That's interesting. Uh, and so I guess we'll start diving into this then as far as like some of these experiences you had, uh, what, so you, you were already living in a haunted house and it, it got worse as you were writing the book. That's what you're saying, right? It got it got worse um, concurrently with a publisher contacting me about doing a book based on my tour. And that spring, once I signed that contract, um, yeah, I mean, I had something tapping on the windows at night. I had my security camera catching not just Forbes, but as an investigator told me, having looked at the footage, he said, something is trying to materialize at your front door. And it would knock on the door and there would be this mist that was just rolling around, you know, and trying to form into something. And uh, I had this night after night on my security camera. Um, I would sit down to work on my computer and, um, things would shut off and on it would pixelate the screen would pixelate in a funny way that it never had before and uh yeah just bizarre stuff started happening my husband he's completely oblivious to the paranormal he does the tour with me he helps with the tour but um (laughs) i mean like i had been seeing a shadow person in my hall for as long as we had lived here and he didn't see it until the spring that it got so bad three years ago. He got, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, it's like, we, I see that all the time. He goes, well, you know, I don't I'm, Well, yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I can understand, I, I guess if it's one of those things where did, did he believe in this kind of stuff before he had that experience? It's hard to say. He, he goes right there with me. Uh, you know, dressed in his Confederate uniform as a, as a Civil War soldier. I am in period dress. You know, we're, we do our tour in, in, uh, in period dress. And uh, as long as he has done that and listened to all the stories, and he's had other experiences over the years. Um, we've had so many electronic disturbances here. We went through three brand new televisions uh, one summer in a period of about a month. Because they would just blow up. You turn them on and it would just. And we went through three brand new televisions. They they do like to disturb electronics. 
And that seems to be, once I started really heavily writing the book, they like to disturb electronics. I'm surprised you and I are able to, you know, because they will get involved anytime I'm talking about um, them or when we hang up, when, when this is over, something will happen strange here because um, they, they like to interfere with electronics, which isn't unusual, as you know, um, from talking to so many people. Um, electronics are one thing that, that the paranormal will manifest through. And, um, you know, we're here with grown children that live in different, a different state. No way are we watching Nickelodeon or uh, Disney Channel, but our TV will come on in the middle of the night. We'll go in there and Disney Channel's on. It's just some very strange things that happened here with electronics. So, what, what do you know the history of the house in the sense that uh, could there have been could there be some kind of like child entity? Is that what you're that maybe you're implying that that is like turning on those kind of TV channels? Possibly, yes. Um, a psychic has told me that um, from time to time on the tour. We will have people take the tour that maybe don't don't tell us that they're sensitive or or say they're sensitive right off the bat, you know, or uh, this one, this one's quote psychic. And I, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Here I am um, having having written a book full time into the paranormal in one way or another. And I still have some reservations about you know, the way I think about the paranormal is a very is a long story, too long, too long for here. And I'm a Christian, and you know, I I have to put this into my belief system. And so, to describe how I feel about that is longer than than you've got. But you know, so when someone comes on the tour and says I'm a psychic um, and starts seeing things while on the tour, I, I don't know. But I had a thought. Th- quote, psychic on the tour that stood in my front yard and said, yep, two little boys here. And I went, well, no, what do you, well, what do you mean? She goes, no. She said, um, you have two child spirits here. She said, they are two little boys, about 10 and 12 years old. And um, they they died before 1900 in, in a house nearby or in this house. And they just they just want to still be here with you and your family and I'm like yeah okay well you know <laughs> and that and and that that kind of that would explain that and some some other things that happened that are fairly mischievous that have happened to me in this house um I painted when I first moved here I painted my bedroom a really pretty robin's egg blue and shortly thereafter blue objects began appearing in the house that did not belong to us that we'd never seen before a little blue marble, a little piece of blue glass. And I opened my locked car one morning and there was a blue feather on the driver's seat. And my car was locked and had been locked. And how a blue, little blue feather appeared on my driver's seat, I don't know. But what she said kind of makes some sense. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting. And so... I'm assuming then part of, part of your tour is you taking people by your house. We do. We okay. do. And we talk about my house a little bit. Um, you know, I don't want to spend that much time on it. I also don't want people traipsing by my house and, you know, looking at it, staring at it, taking pictures. Or anything like that. <laughs> and, uh, and we live, we live where we work, both of us. 
So my husband has a loft, a shingle outside. And um, the day somebody uh, referred to my husband as the haunted lawyer, I went, uh, wait a minute, you know. But, you know, and now I'm telling it on, you know, national radio, <laughs> national, national podcast. But um, I'm kind of I'm kind of private about some of the things that have happened here because a few of them are rather of a demonic nature. And I am so glad that they are gone. <laughs> I understand that. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind the mischievous stuff the feathers and the blue and the, uh, and the turning on Nickelodeon. That's okay. That's, that's kind of cute, but um, no, I've had the tapping on the windows and the trying to materialize. And those things happened after I had my house cleansed, had the salt around the perimeter, had a priest um, here blessing the house. Uh, And what I, what I bring to my experience from that is Thankfully, they can't get in, but they're out. They're out and they're tapping to get in. And, you know, I don't give them a door. I don't give them an opening. I don't give them a foothold. Makes me wonder why and where they came from, if they were always there and and just you like. So if you're living in the house, you're writing the book in the house. And if there's some kind of intelligent uh, entity or something around you as you write it, seeing that you're giving attention to the history, trying to manifest itself to to you. Uh, is it that it's trying to make its way into the book? Uh, but like the demonic stuff, uh, it, it just it, it makes me wonder if it's if it's something that the the writing of the book spawned, or if it was always there dormant. I think it was. I think it was always there dormant, and it became. I believe I believe they feed off of each other. And if you read the first chapter of the book, Craig Font about Craig Font, um, which I I am can make this statement. I believe Craig Font may be the most haunted private residence, formerly private residence um, in the country. And I'll put that up, up against Myrtle's plantation and everything else. And whereas you have a very gentle spirit there of Mrs. Winchester that, that has been seen. And, uh, many times she is still there on her property. Um, despite having died in 1866, there are demons, absolute demonic things in Craig font and they coexist. And I don't know if that is kind of a, you know, a parallel to the world, the world exists with good and evil. Um, you know, I many times I think I want to get 15 religious uh, fervent people out to Craigfoot and get rid of those things. And I have asked deacons at our Baptist church, let's get a bunch of people out there and pray them out. And one of the deacons who has lived on the property and seen it firsthand just looked at me and said, Donna, there's too many of them. There's just too many of them. And I don't like to see good Christian men give up and throw up their hands and say, there's too many of them. We can't do it. But that's crack font. Wow. I, I don't know. Uh, but I think they coexist. And I think since I'm two blocks from the square where we had so much, uh, we had 100, 100 innocent civilians hanged, some as young as 12 years old, two blocks from me. Uh, there were nine Civil War hospitals contiguous to the square and I live next door to one of them. So I believe that the environment here is so conducive to paranormal activity that they're just 
they're here. They're all here. I believe that they are here all the time. It's kind of like a movie playing in the background of Sumner County life. And occasionally the veil is pierced and we see them or we experience them. That's interesting. So uh, Cragfont, like, it's is it a is it a place that somebody lives right now? No, um, it's a state historic site. It is a beautiful home. Uh, Seventeen ninety nine, I think it was built. Built by a Revolutionary War veteran, uh, General Winchester came on a land grant. That's your typical westward movement. Um, the the new republic was giving land to people. You, you know, give them a 700 acre land grant for their service to the revolution. And um, that's how Middle Tennessee was settled. Most of the people lived in forts for maybe 10 years. Children were born and raised in forts because of the Indian depredations. But General Winchester builds this three story rock home out on the on this beautiful hillside. Um, in anticipation of a great future, while other people were living in forts, he's building this three three story mansion with a ballroom on the top floor, and um, you know it it has been home to Winchester's for generations, survived a civil war, um, and had other families you know live there, but it has been in the state's possession now for about. 35 years as as a historic site. So if it's in the state's possession, I'm assuming they don't let ghost hunts happen. They have had. Some have happened. And um, usually what happens, they don't get much. They Because it's even been, I think, on a television show, a paranormal sh- uh, show. Nothing much happens while people are there because they don't, the spirits don't perform on cue out there, but things happen when they leave. And now Craig Font pretty much doesn't want you to mention ghosts and their name in the same breath like I'm doing. <laughs> wow. So try yeah, to- I don't know. I, and I, I have not heard how the uh, powers that be at Craig Font have received my book, which about the entire first chapter is about Craig Font because I talked to the caretaker out there, uh, the docent and the director that was there for 30 or 40 years. And I simply turned on a camera and interviewed him for, and well, just turned him loose and let him talk. And he started with the very first day he was at Craig Font being a total skeptic and ended with the day he walked out because it, it just became too much and it was time to retire. So he retired because of the activity there? Well, he was almost 80 years old. He'd lost his wife. But yes, the last day he was there, having had things happen to him, like um, 10 pairs of glasses knocked off of his face and twisted in front of his very eyes. Um, he, He had had his hat turned around and his hat was knocked off his head. And he looked back and his hat was on fire. Um, the last day he was there, he was walking down the stairs and I'm told this is on a security camera, but they don't know. No one's allowed to see this. He felt something brush his shoulder and jerked around 
and there was a rope tied into a noose across his shoulder. Now, this man is a former sheriff's deputy. He is a Christian person. He is as sober as a judge. And, you know, he's not making this up. He has no reason to. Um, He has had so many experiences out there that are just unbelievable. Um, They filmed the sequel to Roots, part of it out at Craigmont. And they had strange things happen during the filming of that as well. Um, And I talk about that in the book. But yeah, Craig Font's just a, a hotbed of paranormal activity. Clearly. Uh, I, I had heard moving here to Tennessee that Tennessee has tons of paranormal activity in general, the history. Uh, and it seems like I, from what from what I've been gathering from people in the area and stuff, because it's funny, like now I'm introducing myself to new people in my life and they're like, so what do you do for them? And like, Okay, here we go. You know, let's let's see if I can win some friends here. And so I, uh, I tell them what I do and stuff. And it's like everybody I talk to has some kind of story experience. And a lot of people push it back to the history of Tennessee in this area, especially Civil War. Uh, People talk about finding Civil War artifacts still in this area. It's stunning to me. It's stunning to me in the sense that I come from an area that's so heavily populated that any kind of historical pieces like that are either found and preserved or they're buried or they're gone. And so people walking around being able to find, you know, uh, bullets and stuff from the civil war and, and, and things like that, I, I find very fascinating, but it also lends to this idea that maybe, uh, we're living on, on spiritually haunted grounds of sorts, you know? Uh, well, and people point, are quick to point to Indian mounds. We have those two. <laughs> we have a little bit of every. Craigmont is half a mile from a major uh, Indian mound that is being studied by the state right now. It's had several archaeological digs there. I mean, they were finding they were finding things in the ground when the settlers came here. There were phenomenal finds uh, because and the the uh, Native American influence here is interesting because they didn't want to live here tribes were here populating this area until about 1500 years before white just 1500 years before white men came and then they suddenly left they would not live here anymore despite everything that would make it conducive what made it so attractive for the settlers to live here, um, fertile land, prevalent water, uh, game animals. You would think that is right where Indians would want to live. No, not for the last 1500 years. Something made them leave this area and they would only hunt here. And they fought settlers tooth and nail for the hunting rights. But they didn't want to live here. Why? Um, was there something here? You know, that, you know, I've researched, I've talked to some some historical experts on the history of Native Americans, and they would say, well, you know, they would interpret a lot of natural happenings as being something supernatural. Maybe a meteor meteorite fell and they went, whoa, this is a bad place, remove it, whatever. But something happened here where they did not want to live here. And... um <laughs> 
as I was just about finishing the book and I was talking to some, some ladies out in the Mount Olivet community about uh, apparitions they had grown up seeing as children, full-bodied apparitions of Native Americans in a full Indian warrior dress. They were used to seeing these on their property, and I was just fascinated. And I thought, you know, so I interviewed them about that. And as we were kind of closing the interview, they said, and then, and then there's the giant white flying creatures. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yes. You know, out Long Hollow Pike, you used to couldn't drive on that road at night. But what this giant, you didn't know what it was, a bird or what? Its wingspan went from one side of the road to the other. And it would just fly above your car and just hover there. And then it would just go off. And I'm like, oh, well, there's a whole nother chapter. And in, indeed, because I researched that. And now this is kind of like the Thunderbird or the Southwest legend of the, you know, the Thunderbird type of creature. The uh, Cherokee here had the Tlanawa. And it was a giant flying bird that would cruise the uh, riverbed areas and pick up small animals and sometimes children and fly away. And that is a Cherokee legend. And these women were telling me they were seeing this as late as the 1960s and 70s. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I got, I got really interested in that. And it's very hard to find anything on it. I mean, as we know, Native Americans, it's an oral history. You don't find things written down. And uh, uh, so now I am just all over researching the Tlanawa of the area because very few people know anything about it. And it's pronounced Talanawa? T-L-A-N-U-W-A. Okay. And that's the creature that is being described? Yeah, I would describe it as a, fl a flying cryptid. Wow. Uh, and in, in, from your vantage point perspective with the research of it, would you say it fits in the category of people describing Thunderbirds? Or do you think this is something completely different than what people call Thunderbirds? It's, it's different than a Thunderbird. It's not the Southwest Thunderbird. There is a, I mean, I did research the Tlanawa and, you know, in Cherokee legend in this area, um, it, it flew along the riverbanks, lived in a cave. And uh, I don't know if you know this about Tennessee yet, but Tennessee for such a small state has 20% of the nation's caves. Yes. And I'm very we excited have, about that. Tennessee and Kentucky have a lot of caves and we have caves here. Um, the caves we call Lackey's Caves have ne never been fully explored. Um, they were used during the Civil War for Confederate soldiers to hide in and to uh, escape escape the Union occupational troops here. And um, so we have some cave lore here. And uh, I guess the Tlanawa fits into that. It fits into um, the settlers around here that were living in forts were largely hiding from um, the famed uh, Cherokee warrior called Dragging Canoe. Um, he was called the Red Napoleon because his exploits and his war war tactics were so interesting and successful 
And so Cherokee legend, we, we had Cherokees here and it fits very much into the presence of the Cherokee here. That's, that's, that's their legend. The, the Tlanoa is their legend. I'll tell you, I, I, I am so excited about living here and digging up the history. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania's got some great history too, but uh, th- this is a different type of history that I, I like. Uh, now, you mentioned about the Native Americans that eventually they wouldn't live here. I think you said 1,500 years before the white people came, the Europeans, they, they were like, we're out of here, we'll hunt here, but we're not going to live here. Uh, do you get the sense that that's because of uh, this creature or maybe maybe some like the legends of the giants living in these areas? We don't know. We don't know. And yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the giants, the giants, and then also the little people. Uh, there is a, do you know about that? Uh, I was just learning about the little people of Appalachia, like right next to me. Like I live four miles away from yeah. the Smokies. Yeah. <laughs> They actually, they have found some little people like pygmy graves in, in some counties not too far from here. Wow. So, you know, I don't know. How do you, how do you scare, you know, fierce Native American warrior type people like Cherokee? I don't know. I mean, of course, this is the, this is the precursors to Cherokees and so forth. But I mean, I don't know. I think something supernatural as they would describe it supernatural happened um either a creature like the cryptid creature or lights in the sky or orbs or something you know we're 45 miles from the bell witch cave for heaven's sakes i think there i think we are kind of in a little bermuda triangle of paranormal activity i mean i think we're i think Crag font or something nearby may very well be a portal, an enormous portal. Wow. Um, because here, here we've got just all these. We don't just have, you know, ghosts. We have flying cryptids. We have, we've had some Bigfoot claims. Um, you know, when this didn't used to all be nice rolling farmland conducive to uh, growing crops and raising thoroughbred horses, which is our history here. Um, you know, this used to be all deeply forested. So the uh, possibility of Bigfoot, yeah, sure. Okay, let's talk about the sponsor for this episode, which is HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh farm, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, you can choose from 55-plus weekly options featuring pre-portioned, high-quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. HelloFresh delivers fresh, quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week, so you can savor some summer flavors right at home and some of those summer flavors are old bay shrimp and sausage boil and the family style grilled steak lettuce wraps there's a lot of great recipes when it comes to hello fresh you won't be disappointed because everything that they offer is high high quality you can customize your favorite dishes with hello custom you can swap out one protein or side for another upgrade for a more luxe experience or even adding protein to a veggie meal that means more choices more variety and more meals truly 
tailored for you. And also, like I say every time, it's cheaper. It's actually 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and even cheaper than grocery shopping. That's money back in your pocket. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessional16 and use code Confessional16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessional16 and use code Confessional16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. End quote. Repeat the line. Do you think that uh, the Bigfoot could have been the threat of the natives? I'm, I'm just, I, I can't get off that All topic. Right. I keep thinking like what could have made people who were from here, lived here. They were people of the earth. They hunted. They lived off the land. They they lived, uh, you know, primitively compared to what we're used to, even what the Europeans were used to moving here. Like what could make them leave an area, but only to come back to hunt it, not to live on yeah. it? It just makes me yeah. very curious. It, it makes me curious too, but we don't know. And we may never know. I mean, this is an oral tradition. Yeah. People, um, the legends that we know of only barely scratch the surface. And uh, we don't, we may never know. That's interesting. Uh, well, we may never know, but it doesn't mean we can't stop trying to figure it out. Uh, I think there's been countless of situations where uh, we, throughout history, you feel like you hit a dead end with something and then all of a sudden somebody discovers something, they make a connection between two wor- ancient words that when they put it together, you're like, oh, now it all makes sense, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I always hold hope with that. But um, hey, when it comes to like the giants, little people, so I remember when I first started this podcast five years ago, I had talked to a guy and I think he might've been on Uh, on an episode because I I don't want to misspeak as to who I'm thinking of. So I'll keep names out of it. But I was talking to a man who is originally from Tennessee. uh, And he talked about how his his grandfather told him a story of how uh, when his grandfather was a child, they had found these bones out in a field. And the the scientists that came out and excavated it uh, it turns out it was a giant skeleton and they paid him as a little boy, like a dollar per, per I forget how it was, but like, I, I, I want to say retrieving the bones, but that doesn't seem right to me. Uh, that almost makes me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm crossing stories with the Dead Sea Scrolls because the scientists with the Dead Sea <laughs> Scrolls, they, they, they messed up because they said to the, the, the young men there, they said, uh, uh, go up in the caves and bring us a piece down. Every piece you bring us, we'll pay you for it. So they started breaking the Dead Sea Scrolls to get more money, which is why we have very, very inaccurate uh, pieces. But anyways, I think I might be confusing the stories. But either way, he talked about how uh, the, the scientists came, they excavated this giant uh, skeleton or skeletons, and it just was taken away. And that was here in Tennessee. Uh, what, what Have you, through your research and stuff, uh, come across these legends? Well, only only very briefly, um, and there's not there's not that much out there written down about finding both giant bones and these little people. Um, but that's as much as I know. That okay. is as much as I know. And how that how old they are, not sure. So you keep bringing up the little people. Do you know? Do you do you believe the little people existed, or do they still exist? I haven't been that far into that subject. And so I don't know. Uh, that has not been my focus because I've had enough on my plate just with, yeah. you know, 
the the history and the and the you know what is seen and so forth and uh it you know it hasn't nobody nobody has come to me with a little people or a giant story in my county yeah uh i think that i feel like um the those stories at least the little people from what i've been seeing uh really are towards east tennessee where i'm at because of the mountains and everything uh, and, and there's been legends of them still existing there. So I'm, I'm I personally, I'm looking at trying to explore that a little more stuff. Uh, but, uh, with, with what you've been researching and stuff, there are several locations that you have covered that are haunted locations. Uh, is, is there a, a certain location that outside the one you were talking about with the, with the, uh, the crag font with the possible being a portal which i was like oh boy you know uh is there any other one that that you would think that maybe people would look at and like oh that there's nothing haunted about that but in actuality it's it's very haunted is there any kind of um surprise haunting locations that you've come across no because it's odd like you were talking about people of tennessee is there are, are approachable about talking about the paranormal because here you know, whereas some other places you start talking about ghosts and spirits and strange things and you're going to run across people that go, oh, no, you know, uh, look at you like you're nuts. They don't do that here <laughs> because everybody knows some everybody's either experienced something or knows someone that has. So you really can't point to a location and say, oh, that isn't, you know, that couldn't be or it, I mean, it doesn't have to be old. People think. The, the hauntings are only occur at very old Adams family looking houses. And that's right. very, much, very much not the case because, well, again, this is, uh, this goes back to native Americans. There was a subdivision, uh, a brand new subdivision being built in our County, almost to Nashville, very much on the, on the dividing line, but it was fairly close to um, an old uh, fort, an old station, as we call it. And um, people, they were, you know, building new houses every day and new families were going in there and they were all having experiences. Uh, they were all having, you know, their, well, it was kind of like in poltergeist. I mean, they would come home, their garage door was going up and down or, or, you know, they left everything all, you know, fine in the morning. They come home while the drawers are pulled out, but their house hasn't been broken into. And the most dramatic thing that happened was the family that had a three-year-old boy and he did not want to sleep in his bed at night. And he kept saying, there's somebody in my room. I'm not going to stay in there. And the parents would go in there. Everything was fine. So this was, you, you can tell how long ago this was because it was when the baby monitors uh, that had the actual visual screen where you could see what was going on, you know, in your child's room, the parents got one of these brand new newfangled things. And, um, one night, the son comes in the room and says, not sleeping in my room. There's somebody in my bed. And mom looks over at the monitor and dang, there's a little naked Indian boy, shoulder length, black hair, little beads around his neck, sleeping in the son's bed. And they go screaming in there. Of course, they get in there. Nothing's there. But, you know, <laughs> that subdivision is very close to what I'm talking about, the Tlanoa and the people that saw the full-bodied warrior apparitions in their homes growing up in the 30s and 40s. 
So the Native American influence and the spirits thereof, there you go. You would think a brand new subdivision, unless you've seen Poltergeist, would be fairly uh, paranormal free, but not this one. Yeah, you know, and that really kind of uh, makes me think about just this general area uh, Tennessee, I didn't really quite understand this moving here until I got here, but Tennessee is actually a very popular landing spot these days for people throughout the country. And, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, I don't know how it is all over Tennessee, but I know where I'm living in East Tennessee, it's extremely uh, highly trafficked right now by outsiders. And uh, yes. as as a result, uh, they are building houses left and right. Subdivisions are popping up. And uh and it, it it reminds me of a story when I was a kid growing up. I remember watching a TV show, a haunted TV show, and it was a brand new house. Family moves in and they're experiencing all this bizarre haunting stuff. And they never concluded as to the cause of it. It was just a mystery. And uh, looking back on it with what you said, uh, that I think there really does need to be given consideration to the ground you're building these homes on. And and the history that's involved there. You were talking about the uh, the Indian mound that the science was uh, researching and things like that. It makes me wonder uh, how many people in in East Tennessee, Tennessee, all these areas that are popping up and, and becoming very populated, and all these new houses. I would. I'm very curious now as to how many people are going to start experiencing paranormal activity in brand new homes because they built it on maybe on top of an Indian burial ground that you know was ancient. Well, if you think about it, we're walking around on burial mounds all the time. Without being too politically correct, we are, we are very ethnocentric that we came here, conquered, and that's it. So any spirits will only be in our frame of reference from the history that we know. And as we know, that does, our history that we know does not go back the 6,000 years that people were walking around here. And 6,000 years of non-white people walking around where we're walking around right now is going to result in some burials. We don't know what we're walking on, and we don't know what we're walking in, on, and around. And um, if we don't fully understand the unseen, um, if these things are these things of the past are never really gone and they're kind of playing in the background on some other plane of existence. And we just happen to bump into them every once in a while. We've got more than just white man history to go by. You know, we're, we're intersecting with thousands of years of human uh, struggle and life, birth, death, where we're walking around every day. That's a great point. It, it, it kind of just, it's like it's layered history. It's and, layered. And so many times uh, we're on the top layer, we're breathing still. And we talk about the most recent layer of history that we can recall as the reason for a haunting. And how many times does does somebody recall that kind of a situation and you walk away saying, it still doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense as to why and and maybe it's because you know they're actually experiencing something that uh, stems back six thousand years, and, and I, I find that really interesting. It's a concept I, I haven't really thought. Of. I mean, we're talking six thousand years. That's that's BC, and I mean, that this is like a, extremely long time ago. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it we just, don't know what was here. We don't know what was here. We don't know how, even maybe how they buried people, or if they buried people, or 
you know, what the spiritual world was like then. How does that coincide with what we now know? It's there's so much we don't know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And we we're probably intersecting with it on some level all of the time. And the only explanation we have for some of what we experience is, oh, ghosts, you know. So it's it's complex, and we've only scratched the surface. I, I did I, as we as we leave the top before we leave the topic of um, which we did a while back of uh, things that went on in in my house writing the book. Um, I did. I will tell you something that I have not even told on my tour and have told very few people. <laughs> so now I'm going to tell it, you know, to the nation on a podcast. But when the book was written, when it was gone, when it was coming out that very week, and I was establishing, I was putting up a website, I was creating a website. And I was, you know, typing along, had a problem, needed technical support. You can go down to the little chat bubble on the server, I guess is the right term. I'm kind of old school here. But anyway, I can chat with the people that host the uh, host the website and say, hey, I'm having trouble doing this and I'm doing a chat. Well, so I'm doing a chat talking about what I'm having trouble with or I'm trying to get the person on the line. I don't have the person on the chat line yet. But I'm saying, hey, I need help with this. And I'm waiting for the, for the reply to say, okay, well, you know, do this, do that. No reply, no reply. I'm like, okay, you know, it says be with you in a moment. So I'm sitting there and then up pops these words. Hello from the other side. And uh, I think, oh, man, these GoDaddy people are hilarious. That's just <laughs> funny. They're seeing that I'm Sumner County History and Haunts.com. And isn't that just real cute? And I went, yeah, ha ha, that's funny. Now help me with my problem, ha ha. You know, no reply, no reply, no reply. So then I start getting kind of freaked out. And I went, well, I'm going to get up and walk away for a little while and uh, come back. And I do. And nothing, no one's helping me. So I look and I see that on GoDaddy, they keep a record of all all the chats that you've had about an IT support issue. So you can go back and look up what happened, you know, and maybe fix it again if you encounter the same problem. Great. Ingenious. Well, guess what? This isn't on the chat log. It's like it never happened. So who replied to me? Hello from the other side. That's incredible. <laughs> and I have told very few people that because I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'd be waiting for, yeah, right. That was somebody from GoDaddy, except no, it wasn't because every single chat you have with their IT people, it's on, it's recorded so you can go back and look at it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Uh, it, it that gives me real like... uh portal vibes like it was almost like that 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 chat was uh, like some kind of doorway into or or maybe to here yeah i just want to know why it only said that and nothing else like can you imagine if you're like yeah ha ha it's like i'm not kidding hello i know yeah (laughs) or or maybe all of a sudden adele starts singing hello from the other side 
anyways, I, I, I think that's insane. Uh, and did, so did you tell your husband about that? Yeah. And he's just kind of like, oh, wow, that's creepy. You know, he doesn't react much. He's very literal. He's very, he's very, uh, he's, he's just very literal. Something, it would have to happen to him, you know, sure. for him to, and even then he would be like, well, I don't know. There's probably an explanation, but there's not. I mean, uh, when I told him, I said, yeah, but you know, it, it's not on the log, you know, there with, along with the other many IT things I have said, Hey, how do you do this? I'm, you know, I'm lost here trying to build this website. And that was not among the, uh, recorded chats. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, with Craig font, uh, you mentioned about the portal and it just kind of hit me. Uh, what, 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 what about Craig font makes you feel like it could be some kind of portal location? Is it just the mere fact that it has so much activity? Um, yes. And I don't know about ley lines and this sort of, that has been brought up uh, and I'm not even sure what ley lines are. Are you familiar with that term? I'm familiar, but you're talking to a guy who's podcaster first scientist, like a hundredth, like, (laughs) well, I don't know. L-E-Y, ley ley lines. Um, that's been postulated. I just know if you draw a line from our public square, which is so haunted, every single building on that square, there's activity. Um, and if you draw a straight line from there, as the crow flies to Crag Font, it's a straight line. And then it's another straight line over to the Bellwitch Cave. And then you draw it back to connect the triangle. You're including where the Slanoa was seen and the, the full-bodied apparitions of the Indian warriors. And, you know, I'm just like, if that little area, our little area, has so much activity um, that there has to be some sort of, it's some sort of vortex for something. Um, it's just unbelievable. The um, The activity north of here towards Portland in an area where investigators that I have talked to spent the night and heard a scream that is like a Bigfoot scream. They saw orbs and lights traveling, you know, through a creek bed. And they saw a a misty figure on a bridge. I mean, this was all happening in the same location at once. And there's something here that just brings all the phenomena together. Do, but again, we don't know what. Why is this so conducive to basically every form of uh, paranormal activity, maybe except flying saucers. I don't hear about UFOs very much, but you know, you'll hear people talk and, and um, of course, Wes Garner does about Bigfoot, UFOs, orbs, and paranormal activity occurring together in close proximity and in close nexus of time. And we've got that. We have got that. So I just came out with a uh, an episode not too long ago. It was a member show called The Interdimensional Creature of Tennessee. I didn't know what else to call it because uh, I think in the episode we were discussing the topic of Bigfoot-related creature, 
but at the same time, it, there was it, there was a unseen force involved, and uh, he is actually that this location where all that happened is out in that area. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, and I, I'm going to actually next month be visiting the farm that he he was on that he that he had some of those experiences because I'll be speaking at a conference and after the conference I'm going to head there. But um, when you mentioned Portland, uh, I remember initially we were looking at the Portland area to move to. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, that's my county. That's my county. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just like. I was trying to find an area that I knew I wouldn't have issues with internet and I, I didn't want to be too far out there. And then I, I wound up migrating over to the Knoxville area looking and I was like, oh, okay, so this is still, you know, I'm not too far out there. Like, you know, I can still have, you know, internet and good quality internet because that's what I need, obviously. Um, and then I was closer to the Smokies. But anyways, um, it, it, that, that area... Uh, you described it earlier. What what was it? The, some, some, like the like the, ten, the Tennessee Bermuda Triangle or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, but I'm talking about you know, Bell Witch Cave is about 40 miles east of us, and then you know, Craig Font is like eight miles from here, and um, where the the Tulanoa is another maybe 10 miles from where I am right now. But you know, I just kind of sit in the middle of a triangle of activity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's incredible. I, in fact, with the Bell Witch Cave, I, I I heard of it, but once I came here and people find out what I do, that's one of the first things they say. You gotta check out the Bell Witch Cave, and I'm just thinking maybe I gotta check out the Bell Witch Cave. You know, uh, is it something that you can walk around, or is it more closed off? You know what? I have never been over there. I don't. We went over there one time, and it was the the cave was closed. And I forget what was going on. It must have been a holiday or something. There wasn't much, but they have an incredible festival like in September or October, and they have a play about the Bell Witch. Now, I've seen that when it came to our county. Um, But yeah, there is, I don't know if it was on your show or Wes's, where he interviewed, um, or it might have been Astonishing Legends, one of the three, uh, that interviewed a park ranger over there there's a there's a state park close to the bell witch cave and that park ranger knows a whole lot about the bell witch the history of the area the phenomena in the area i have not personally explored it well uh i think that i'm gonna have to head on over there and check it out and you need to, I, i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna be trying to find this park ranger because i don't think it was yeah. me but it sounds like something that i you, you, need, you need to he's he's really He's, of course, a down-to-earth guy, and he's very steeped in the history, but he also knows the paranormal side of things over in the area, and I think it would be well worth your time to go check that out. I want to as well, um, as I expand on maybe future books and so forth. I'm going to need to know what goes on over there because I think it influences what goes on here. I think this is all part of the same... um, same pattern, if you will, or maybe the same origins, because obviously the Bell Witch entity was very demonic. Um, I mean, you've got Andrew Jackson saying, I'd rather, I would rather fight uh, the Indians again than spend, spend another night at the Bell House. So, you know, it, you know, it was scary. And whatever happened over there is very demonic 
Um, what happens at Craig font is oftentimes demonic characteristics, at the very least, extreme poltergeist behavior. And some of the things we encounter here in this central area, in Gallatin, have a demonic component. Some of them are just a little too twisted to be just something like a ghost walking through your house. So I would like to find the common denominator of that and the origins of it. But we may never know. If it comes from a time outside of recorded history, like we just discussed, how will you ever know? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, I think sometimes we're we're left to reserve ourselves at, as not knowing and just trusting that, you know, it, it just it is what it is at this point, you know. Uh, now, with something you said earlier in the conversation, uh, I know you said you didn't want to, you know, take up all the time talking about it, but I would be interested to hear uh, maybe how you feel about some stuff, just in the sense that um, you mentioned about your Christian faith and how that relates with everything that you've experienced and what you look into and stuff. And I'm in a very similar boat as you as, you know, like I, 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 you know, if I, if I go to a church, right. And I say, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a paranormal podcaster. And sometimes you get people just staring at their eyes, get real big and they're like, Oh, Satan, get away from me. You know? And it's just like, (laughs) I just, you know, so like, I mean, how do you, uh, I don't know. Like what are your thoughts? Have I reconciled that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fairly recently uh, convert to Catholicism. Um, I grew up with a Baptist grandmother and a Catholic grandmother. So I was Episcopalian all my life. And at my advanced age, I have come to Catholicism. Having studied it and having had half my relatives were Catholic, and I attended a Catholic high school for two years. So it's not that I've been, you know, averse to the faith and here in the bible belt where everybody's baptist catholics are often you know kind of looked at as those other people you know those those mary worshipers and so forth well there is a catholic belief that coincides with a lot of what i have encountered in the paranormal and that's purgatory and i honestly believe that some of the spirits that we encounter are people working out purgatory in this on earth. And that is not, does not go against Catholic beliefs. There are some Catholic theologians that, that do work with exorcisms and do work with uh, supernatural things um, that say that that is entirely possible, that those, that ghosts are souls in purgatory working out their purgatory in this way. Now, I tend to think that makes some sense. Um, I do not, I do not believe in tarot cards. I do not do, I do not do Ouija boards. That is opening a door. In fact, um, I was working in my front yard one time and a young man came by and said, I used to visit this house all the time. My aunt and uncle lived here. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, I would come home from school. I'd get off the school bus here at their house and spend every afternoon here. And then I'd spend the night here sometimes on the weekends. He goes, hey, uh, go, go in your parlor here on the corner. Have you ever seen like um, some burn spots in the wood floors? And I went, yeah, I, I 
it looks like just the gnarled, you know, the old wood. But yeah, I noticed that it looked like could have could have been, you know, a candle or something fell over. And he goes, yeah, one time my friend and I were playing with the Ouija board. And I went, well, there you go. You know, that could explain some of the things in my house. You know, you don't open that door. Paranormal investigators will tell you, don't do it. I mean, you don't, you don't have to have a priest or a Baptist minister to, telling you don't play with Ouija boards. Very practical people and paranormal investigators will say, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And um, uh, so, you know, I, I don't do Ouija boards. I don't do tarot cards. I don't do crystals. Uh, I, I don't believe in opening those doors. There's, there's, enough, there's enough that manifests without going out and looking for it or calling it down, frankly. Cause I've seen it, I've experienced it and I didn't call for a one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm in, in a very similar boat. Uh, and you know, it, it's just, I, I don't know. Like I, I just, I, I find myself, uh, kind of keeping to myself a whole lot just because I don't feel like having to go down these roads of conversation with people in life and just, you know, like, like it's just a lot of times, sometimes I, I just kind of like, you know, wave at people and just keep walking kind of thing. Because as soon as that, that question comes up of what do you do for a living? And then all of a sudden it's just like this long conversation and turns into a debate and all that stuff. So, uh, oh, I know. Yeah. I, I, the only bookstore, the only place I approached, cause I found it very easy to go into, you know, at most, most places you can't do this, but here in Sumner County, you can walk into a business or walk into somebody's home or whatever. Hey, you ever, you ever had anything, you know, ghostly or paranormal happen here? And people don't just go, Oh, Whoa. Ooh, you're, are you nuts? You know, they, they'll usually tell you something and something probably has happened there. Or if they don't have something happening there, they know somebody that does. So, you know, this is, this is how the book writes itself. Um, but I went into one historic home that's now a, uh, a gift shop and a, a tea room. And, and the guy was like, oh, you know, I said, are there you know, any spirits here? Only the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, I can just look <laughs> right now. And uh, I go, well, I don't know. And then he gives me this religious spiel. And I know the church he goes to. And that's, that's cool. That's fine. But, uh, you know. Totally closed mind, but that's rare. You don't encounter that kind of closed mind, even among the very faithful here, because it's so prevalent. It's kind of a part of our lives here in Sumner County, actually. That's incredible. I I, I love it. I absolutely love it. it. Makes me feel right at home. So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Donna, you are the author of Historic Haunts of Sumner County, Tennessee. Uh, where yes. can people get it? Because we forgot to talk about that earlier. All right. Well, it's on Amazon.com. You can order it and get it very quickly on Amazon.com books. And it's also my publisher is the History Press Arcadia Publishing, ArcadiaPublishing.com. And uh, I have it locally here in Gallatin. It should by now be in Barnes and Noble and other other such outlets where books are sold. That's really cool. Let me ask you one more question. How's yeah. it how's it feel to have a book sold in Barnes and Noble? That's just I don't know. Like if I if I if I ever had a, a book on a bookshelf like that, I'd be like, eh, I made it, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know because I haven't been and I haven't seen it at Barnes and Noble. I'm just told it's there. Um I don't know. This whole thing has been kind of kind of 
surreal in a way. I guess I've been doing this so long with the tour and, uh, and you know, writing uh, hard news and, and feature stories and things that aren't supernatural for so long that I, I just, it hasn't really sunk in, you know, that, that I've written a book on the paranormal because that's just not, not my, not my writing background at all. I'm, you know, hard news and magazine features and things like that. And uh, so maybe it'll have to sink in in a while or I'll have to see it on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. I don't know. I'm still a little bit um, at the, at the place on the square that, that handles my book exclusively um, all of the copies there are autographed and occasionally I've been there, um, you know, and, and they will say, Hey, somebody will be looking at my book and they'll say, uh, the, the people at the register will say, Hey, there's the, you know, the author's right here. And people like get all excited and go, will you sign my book? And, you know, I, that, that kind of, that kind of, uh, shakes me up more than thinking about seeing it at Barnes and Noble, that somebody thinks that me signing their book is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> that just doesn't really that doesn't really register with me that well yeah I don't know why you think this is a big deal but okay <laughs> gladly yeah. Yeah. I, I totally I totally understand I I I'm just a I always say I'm just a former trucker now podcaster I'm nothing special I just uh, I have fun with life and do things and so I, that's how I found myself here and it seems like you're you know, kind of somebody was asking me what are, you know well hey what are you going to do this afternoon I'm like well whoa I'm I'm talking to Tony Merkel and you know, <laughs> so that's how it feels to have your have your book at Barnes Noble like it feels the same way it feels like I'm well I'm gonna be talking to Tony Merkel on the confessionals don't you know what that is right <laughs> well if you don't you should so yeah I appreciate it. Uh, Donna, I appreciate you being here and sharing your uh, about your book and just having a good conversation about your area because uh, it, it's something that I'm very interested in. Yes. And I hope if you come to the Portland area, whatever, if you're coming this way, um, well, you need to come on down because I can point you in some directions that you're definitely going to look at. And uh, also, I want to show you something that was written in 1909, a book about witchcraft in North Carolina very close to where you're living. I think that the witchcraft uh, connection with um, West North Carolina and East Tennessee is something you want to look into because, uh, you know, in the, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, even through the 1800s, witchcraft in North Carolina was very compatible with a strong Christian faith. And it's interesting how those two intersected. Uh, you had me at witchcraft. So uh, I, I'm very interested in that. Very. Okay. And so you, you said, well, you said that was, it was written in 1906? 1909. And, you know, they were, they were interviewing people that were very old, but you know, they had been through the early 1800s and, uh, I believe that's the Celtic tradition. That's the Scots and the Irish and bringing the, um, very close to the land, to the seasons, to the signs in the sky, to the um, uh, uh, animals and the elements. And they did not find that incompatible. Believing that a witch could curse your, your livestock was not incompatible with their very, very strong fundamentalist uh, um, Christian beliefs. And I find that absolutely riveting. Um, so I've been studying this man's book and I can, I can send you a link about that 
And I want to delve, delve into that a little bit more because Middle Tennessee had some of that too, but it's really, really heavier in your area. And I think that's something you're going to want to look at. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy, please, please, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show. If you enjoyed it, that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow. Share the show and also rate and review it on iTunes if you want to do that. But also, more importantly, please go ahead and purchase Donna's book, Historic Haunts of Sumner County, Tennessee, especially if you're a local Tennessean. You're going to want to know what's going on in your state, right? And she also did send me that book that was printed back in the early 1900s. I'm going to be digging into that. There's going to be a lot of great things coming from this show, friends, moving forward into the future. I got a lot of great guests lined up, a lot of guests I want to line up, and we're all going to have a lot of fun doing it. So hang in there with me for this ride. It's about to get real good. All right, friends, until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye.